Leslie Dangsberg is no stranger to politics. She's run for office before and is doing it again, running for New York State Senate in the 58th District. Geographically, it's one of the largest in the state. It includes Chemung, Schuyler, Steuben, and Yates counties, and even a portion of Tompkins. The incumbent is Republican Tom O'Mara, who has represented the 58th since 2010. But this is an unusual year and a rematch. O'Mara and Burke faced off once before, and that experience is crucial for the challenger as she moves closer to Election Day. For FingerLakesOne.com, I'm Josh Durso, and this is The Debrief Podcast. Today on the show, our conversation with Leslie Danks-Burke as Election Day draws nearer and early voting gets underway. Well, I don't give up, and I'm always happy to stay on top of a project that needs fixing, and the challenges that we had in 2016 didn't go away. Uh, My opponent hasn't solved these in the last four years. In fact, they were the same issues he was raising back then that he's raising now, and the question is, if you're not going to get to work, then why are you there? Uh, And we need people who are going to get in there and actually stand up and raise a voice for all of us who are left behind these days. When folks ask you why you're running, what is that? Was there a particular issue or a particular moment where you realized that you needed to run again? And what was that like on sort of a a personal and then obviously the political side too? I'm running because I see that young people are leaving our region and they can't get ahead here. The schools are underfunded. The jobs aren't there when they graduate and taxes are through the roof and it's too expensive to try to support a family here. And when you're paying that much in taxes and you're not getting the investment back that you've been promised, uh, then folks leave. And we've put all this money into our kids' education. We've invested years into them, uh, set aside all the love and care we've put into our young generation. That's, that's a waste to watch all that investment depart the state the minute they can. And so I'm running because I don't want my kids to leave. And I sure don't want to see children all across this district growing up and unable to find a bright future here. People all across this region understand that. They understand that we've got real opportunity here. We've got a beautiful region. We're full of hardworking people. We take care of our own, uh, but we're getting robbed. And we deserve the opportunity to succeed here just like anybody else. How much of a priority is uh, bolstering some of the smaller rural uh, communities that make up the district, and how important is that uh, to fixing the problem that you identified as as kind of seeing young people leave, uh, but it seems to be pretty symptomatic of of a statewide problem, not just one that's that's happening in the fifty eighth. Obviously, it is a statewide problem. It's rampant across upstate New York. And you're right to zero in on our smaller communities and what we can do to support the small communities that are supporting our regular families. Uh, Whether you're talking about a community in the Bronx or in Brooklyn, or you're talking about a community in Shenango County or Steuben County, which is in my district, one of the poorest counties in the state, uh, you're talking about community leaders who are stepping up and trying to get a fair shake citizens in that area, but just aren't getting the support system that should be there. What we have in New York State is not a divide between Republicans and Democrats or a divide between upstate and downstate. What we have is a divide between most of the people who are working as hard as they can to get ahead and are stymied by a system that takes our very high taxes 
and uses it to subsidize the folks who don't pay anything at all. And that's the billionaires, predominantly downstate, almost all downstate, none of them live in my district, who get off without paying any taxes at all. It's a rigged system and we need someone to get in there and fight for us. What issue or what issues do you think this race is sort of hinging on when you talk to folks, when you talk to different people in the district? What what are the things you're hearing as sort of the big hallmarks of this race, if you can sort of identify them at this point? The COVID pandemic has unveiled problems that have existed here for decades, uh, and it's made them worse, but they were already there, and we need to get in there and fix them. And here's an example. Uh, We have children all across this region who go home from school unable to do their homework because there's no internet access at home. So these kids, it's the equivalent of if somebody took your phone and your internet access completely away from you at five o'clock at night and then didn't give you any access until nine o'clock the next morning and then expected you to show up completely prepared and ready to be on top of everything that happened while you were gone. We're asking that of our children all across this district. And now with the pandemic, they don't even have those few hours at school to be logged on because they're having to study from home. We have a problem with one in four children shows up to school hungry. They don't have enough food at home. Well, now in the pandemic, they don't even get that hot meal at school. Uh, A bus, if they're lucky, delivers it to their house. But other than that, they're not accessing food. So these challenges that we have had across this district have been there for a long time, but they're even worse in the pandemic. And they're serious problems. We're going to need serious leaders to get in there and fix them. And to that end, uh, something that we've we've seen, at least in the early part of the pandemic, and maybe less now, but there's certainly still a lot of discussion around it. You've been talking about the K-12 education. Uh, there was, at least initially, a pretty strong desire, it seemed, from the Cuomo administration to reimagine education. Um, you had some concerns, I think, about that the last time you and I talked uh, on the podcast. But I'm curious now, as you're going through this process and you're talking to different people, like, what is the appetite for change in the K through 12 uh, system, and what do voters actually want, or what does it seem like they actually want out of the K through 12 system? So I can tell you, as a mom myself, I don't know what reimagine education meant, but what it looks like right now is one bandaid after another that's falling off and leading wounds to bleed. It, the lack of any coherent structure for addressing children's education in this crisis is mind-blowing. There was no plan for this. We knew years ago, Joe Biden pointed out last September that there was going to be a pandemic on the horizon and that the national and uh, state governments simply did not have the resources to cope with that. Now we are seven, eight, nine months into this and there's no plan for our children. They're winging it day by day. That's a lot to ask of teenagers and young people. They're handling it beautifully, I think. I think the teachers who are having to get in there and work with this lack of a structure are handling it pretty well. But I think it's about time we call on our leaders at the state and the federal level and say, listen, bozos, let's clean up your act and come up with some kind of plan. To that end, there's been, uh, it seems like a fair amount of criticism uh, leveled at uh, legislators across the board for not being more engaged in this process and engaged in in effectively the response to COVID. Uh, what do you say to that criticism? And, and as you know, someone who's now running for office, what does that feel like? What do you think the role of the legislator should be uh, once you know January 1, 2021 is here? 
legislator needs to get in there and solve actual problems. You can identify problems all you like. You can put out press conferences. You can have, uh, you know, ribbon cuttings. You can stand around and pat yourself on the back for identifying the problem. But if you don't come up with a solution, then what are you doing there? It's been 10 months since uh, we learned this pandemic was on the horizon back last January. New York City immediately put into place in March a program to help small businesses survive the pandemic. There was a loan program. There was a small business outreach program. I called for that same implementation across upstate New York back in March, and nothing's been done for the half of New Yorkers that don't live in New York City. If it takes that long to come up with a proposal, then you might be in the wrong line of work. And you should let those of us who really want to get this problem solved in there to see what we can do. Uh, I want to throw a couple, a couple pieces of feedback that we've gotten over the last uh, several weeks. And I'm just curious your thoughts. Um, obviously, the, the State Department of Labor has been pushing out monthly updates on unemployment and sort of what those numbers look like. And to some folks, the numbers are, are declining and declining in a way that uh, it seems uh, maybe paints a misleading picture about uh, what some of these, especially poorer districts, are actually going through right now. Uh, when the state is releasing this kind of data, is it actually hurting some of the, the more rural uh, communities or even some of the poorer ones that are, are clearly facing a more nuanced problem than just uh, six or seven or eight or nine percent unemployment, which obviously at, early in the pandemic we saw was significantly higher? You, you nailed it, Josh. The region that I'm seeking to represent, Elmira, New York, and the surrounding counties, did not come out of recession after 2008. So this is a region that has been struggling economically for almost 15 years. And so, you know, pandemic responses to our unemployment situation are, are not going to be nearly enough. We, we need a long-term solution here. That's all I got. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous yeah. how slowly the progress has happened here and we've been left behind. So to that end, uh, you mentioned some of the, the support that obviously uh, was necessary in the early days of the pandemic and obviously will be necessary moving forward. Uh, simultaneously to that and everything else we've been talking about, uh, the state is staring down a pretty massive budget gap. Um, how do you think the legislators should sort of approach and try to focus their energy in the areas where they need to so that one, obviously the, the budget can somehow find a balance down the road and also uh, fix and help the folks who obviously uh, really pretty desperately need help at this point. So when we put the same heavy lift on all municipalities across New York State, then we're severely disadvantaging the smaller rural communities. What do I mean by that? Okay, New York City is able to step in as a municipality and help businesses in its geographic region. And then we expect a county like Steuben County, which has 1% of the population that New York City has and none of the wealthy tax base to carry the same lift with only 100,000 people compared to the 8 million people New York City has. It makes absolutely no sense to pit one municipality after another against each other in, in Hunger Games style warfare for increasingly shorter resources. What we should do is get a upstate New York tax cut now, an upstate New York plan 
that stretches across municipalities and allows us to begin to take care of our own. And my last question for you, uh, why is now the time for change in the 58th district? Because it's pretty bad right now, and it hasn't been this bad in a long time, and we don't want to wait any longer than this. Uh, Now is the right time because we didn't do it four years ago when Elmira was still in recession, uh, you know, after the 2008 recession. Now is the right time because we have a will and an impetus to change. We see voters all across the geographic area and across the political spectrum demanding that their elected officials begin to be accountable to them. We see an awakening of civic responsibility across the country. And so when you have this confluence of huge challenges, plus the real resources of a whole lot of people getting engaged to think about how how to fix them, that's a crisis you can't waste. You got to get in there and take advantage of that. All right, Leslie, as always, appreciate the time. Good talking with you. Good catching up. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh. The Debrief Podcast is a production of FingerLakesOne.com Digital Media. It's hosted daily by members of the FL1 News team and was created by Josh Durso and Gabriel Petrazio. If you enjoy the program, here's what you can do to support us. Visit Patreon.com slash FL1 and become a monthly subscriber. Those dollars go directly to ensuring programs like this can continue well into the future. Subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a review. Those help us find new listeners and continue growing our audience. If you want to check out past episodes or listen to any episode on demand, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts. We're even on Spotify, so listen and follow us there to get the latest episodes as they're uploaded. We also host a weekly live-streamed edition of the show. You can check that out on the FingerLakes1.com YouTube channel. For the entire FingerLakes1.com team, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Next time.